Welcome, everyone. We are here today with uh, myself, uh, Joe Zonorowski, and I'm Chris, Chris Roth. Chris, Chris Roth. It's almost like James Bond for a second there. Uh, anyways, this, is gonna, <laughs> this episode is going to be number one of the series here. We're going to call this uh, Food Fight. Uh, we're two chefs uh, here in Rochester, New York. We kind of have different backgrounds and we have different uh, approaches towards life and uh, our business. But uh, we're here to talk about it, get a little... Uh, little uh, definition of what we do and kind of uh, where we stand and where we're from and what we're about. A little different, but a lot of the same, too. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree with you 100%. So anyways, I'll start it off then. Uh, so listen, I'm 38 years old. I'm from Tucson, Arizona. Uh, I was born and raised there, and I spent most of my life out there. I moved out to Rochester when I was uh, 29 years old, and I came out here kind of for a fresh start. Um, you know, m- mostly brought me out here is my father's originally from here, actually. So you knew that or you did not? Uh, I knew that. So, yeah, he was born and raised out here. He went to uh, Churchill Trilai High School, the whole nine, uh, St. Stanislaus uh, Catholic School in the beginning. And then uh, the military brought him out to Tucson, Arizona. So that's where he had me. And, uh, you know, I loved it out there. I spent every summer out here from when I was like five until I was about 18 years old. Uh, for three months out of the year, I came out here to vacation and spend uh, time with my family since he's from here. So my grandmother, my grandfather, aunts, uncles, cousins, blah, 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 blah. And... Uh, you know, I really love this place for what it was for vacation. I mean, Rochester's a great place from, like, July to September, you know, and then it's like they don't teach you about, like, the, the struggles of the fall and winter and everything else. But uh, so I had an opportunity to come out here uh, when I was 29. My father was, uh, like I said, in the military. He did a tour in uh, Iran, Iraq, I can't remember now. And uh, it was the second one. So I was like, you know what, this time I'm going to go out east. You know, I was getting fed up with uh, Tucson. I was kind of burnt out. I was doing the corporate chef thing, walked around with a pretty little chef coat and clipboard and never got dirty. <laughs> it was kind of boring. You know, vacation, no paid paper. benefits, you know, like the shit that everyone doesn't want, right? Um, so I decided that it just wasn't for me. You know, I felt like I had made it to like my retirement stage when I was only 28. And I was like, I don't want this. So I packed up and I left and came out here to New York. And my grandmother was like, oh, spend time with me type of thing because my grandfather just passed. So plenty of room in the house. And uh, yeah, I came out here to not cook. It was kind of funny. I didn't want to do it, man. I was just like, I wanted to hang out. I wanted to just make 12 bucks an hour, do nothing. And you were already cooking, right? Yeah, I'd been cooking since I was like 15, man. Okay, so you were in the business and you were just like, you know what, I'm done with this business. I just want to relax. Yeah. Spend time with family. You know, I think it was just the fact that like, I'd worked so hard and given up so much at an early age, like most of us in this industry, that I was just like, you know what, I got to find myself. I was just exhausted, giving up everything. And uh, so I came out here to give up cooking, thought I was doing the right thing. One month in, I was, like, bored out of my freaking mind. I couldn't find a job that I wanted to do. I mean, I tried everything from, like, applying at, like, Wegmans to be, like, a grocery person. Like, I didn't know what the hell I was doing. Yeah. Um, and then I was like, you know, I need a job. And then there was the Jimmy John's I was hiring for uh, East Henrietta and uh, Jefferson. And I was like, yeah, I can make some freaky fast subs. Like, let's do this. Like, how hard can it be? Like, how much are you going to pay me? 12 bucks an hour? Perfect. Okay, 40 hours a week. Beautiful. Exactly the criteria I wanted, you know? No responsibility? <laughs> None. I mean, dude, you've worked with a bunch of people that are either in high school or just, well, just kind of just where they are. Whatever. We'll leave that one there. Um, so we'll, I, I, we'll go back to that Yeah, at some we'll point. go back to that at some point. There's a lot more details along the way here. But we're just going to do like the rough cut here. And, uh, you know, I did that for about a month, and I loved it, man. I worked literally 38.5 hours a week. You know, I did the deposits. I managed a couple of kids. I threw out sandwich meat, and it was perfect. And then I just I got bored. I couldn't do it. And it was wintertime. And so I started looking for a cook job. 
And then I did about 15 interviews across this town, and nobody would hire me. And I just asked for 12 bucks an hour, 40 hours a week. Like, I didn't want any, like, chef responsibilities. Uh, and nobody would hire me. Too over- overqualified. I kept on hearing that. We're not going to invest in you. You're too overqualified, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, look, man, I just want to cook. Like, this is where I was. This is where I want to be. I just kind of want to get back to the nitty-gritty and kind of get back in the trenches. And nobody would give me a chance. So your Jimmy John's experience made <laughs> you overqualified. Yeah, my resume. So I stopped using resume, and I started just filling out applications. Like, I got to that point in my life. I was like, really? I feel like I didn't have that great of a resume anyways. But people were like, oh, yeah, no, no, no. So, and then uh, I finally got a job at Mario's. Yeah, did that for a little bit of time. And then one thing led to another, and here I am. So, well, what do you mean, here you are, dude? I'm in Look a at, studio like, right now. Don't be so trying modest. to like record a I mean, podcast. Like, what do you mean? <laughs> like, oh, yeah, here I am now. I'm just another cook still. You mean uh, you have a, two I mean, successful businesses. You've grown uh, that. You've spent, you've got a, a, a beautiful family. I mean, you've got yeah. a lot going on. It's not just here I am now. Well, you know, that's just how I am. I'm, I'm kind of humble about things like that because it's all new to me still. You know, this all happened very fast. Yeah. You know, between the two restaurants, Nosh and Old Pueblo Grill, it's only been three years, man. So I'm still getting accustomed to all that. You know, my son's five or almost five next month, two months. Uh, you know, I've been in a relationship with my fiance for six years now. And so it, it's... Congratulations it's, on your recent engagement. I appreciate that. Thank you so much. Amen. It was a move that needed to happen anyways. I had the ultimatums given to me left and right. So I finally had to man up for it. So <laughs> what can I say? <laughs> you know how it is. You know what I mean? Um but no, so yeah, I mean, there's lots to talk about. I feel like I'm qualified to discuss at least some topics about the culinary industry in the field. And uh, I know there's a lot of things that people probably don't know about us as chefs, business owners, people who manage business. Um, I think it's important that they kind of get an insight too, to be a little bit more uh, understanding, maybe a little bit more courteous, a little bit more, uh, I don't know, I don't want to hug or anything, but you know, I want them to be a little bit more passionate about what we do. Yeah. You know what I mean? You know how it is. Absolutely. I mean, you, we, I deal with the general public. You deal with paid members. It's like, it's almost worse in your situation. There's like a set perception of what they want and they're going to get because they paid for it. You know, I can still kind of slide through the cracks with some things because it's just the general public. But you, on the other hand, you're like the chef at like the number one country club in New York. Well, I, I will no tell you that. <laughs> I will tell you that um, previous to coming to Oak Hill, I was at a private club in Florida, and there you were considered the help. The club up here at Oak Hill, I'm telling you, the members are just dynamite. They don't, they they treat me like they would their son or their friend. The membership is has definitely embraced what we've done at the club, and it's a give and take relationship. You know, I, I let's be honest. When I got here, I didn't know what chicken French was. Who does? You know, and or who wants I, to know really? Well, and you know what? So <laughs> I spent save a lot a of time. Minute segment for that yeah, one alone. We but. can talk about that. But my point being is that I give them what they want in the chicken French. Yep. Then they give me what I want in the ability to create at other menus or other venues or a wine dinner. So it's 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 been a a, a very healthy give and take relationship. Cool, man. Well, give me a little story about you. Where are you from? What are you about? What got you into this? Yeah, so um, you ready to do this? Yeah, but uh, you know, I, I'm my parents are not from the military, but I moved around a lot. So, born in Fort Lauderdale, uh, moved to Cleveland when I was a few months old. Grew up in Cleveland till I was about twelve. Cool. Then when I was twelve, um, my mom and my stepdad moved down to Florida to be. Is closer. that why you're a Browns fan? 
Browns, Indians, Cavs. <coughs> yes, man. absolutely. Okay. Right. And my son is a Browns fan, too. So, Well, you know, the apple doesn't fall from the tree. From it doesn't. Far, right? And no, it's, it's cool. a good time to be a Browns fan. Let's be honest. You're right. No, we no, can talk right. about sports all day long, yeah, yeah, too. No, yeah, so, I hear you. Yep. Um, so then from about 12 years old, uh, I, I lived down in South Florida, Delray, Boca, Boynton Beach area. And, um, you know, I was in high school one day, and uh, my one of my best friends still to this day, Eddie, you know who you are, man. He came up to me and said, because I was working in restaurants as a busboy, mm-hmm. and he said, hey, man, I got this class. It's perfect for you, man. You get out at 11 o'clock every day. I'm like, all right, so you go in at 730, <laughs> and you're out at 11 o'clock, and you got the rest of the day. He's like, yeah, and you get credit for it. Really? I said, really? I go, tell me more about this. What do you have to do? He goes, all you got to do is cook, man. That's all you do. You're, you're in class from 10 to 11, and all you're doing is cooking. You're making donuts. You're making waffles. You're making fried chicken. You're making, you're making good food, yeah. and you're out of there. So, go, Eddie, hold on a second. So, yeah. Eddie is responsible for the needle. Eddie is, gave the, it to you. Eddie is the one who gave it to me. All right. Yep. Thanks, Eddie. Good guy yep. you are. Eddie, and we got to have Eddie on the show, too, because <laughs> Eddie uh, Eddie's a good guy, man, and I'll introduce cool. him one day. So I was working as, as, in a restaurant as a busboy at the time, and I get credit for cooking in class. So I, did, I was doing this in class in high school, and, you know, my teacher said, hey, you know, I, what are you doing after, after high school? And I said, you know, I have no idea. I want to be an architect. I don't know. And That's funny because in elementary I wanted to be an architect as well. Yeah, so, which yeah. I, I use architecture in my plates, and we all do. You know, yeah. you're, you're thinking of designs and everything like that. So it has, has helped me uh, become a successful chef, I feel. Um, so she said, uh, I think you should go check out the culinary school down the street. You know, it's about half hour away. Uh, I think you'll really enjoy it. You seem to have a, a liking for this. And I was working in a restaurant where the chefs were just, they were wild animals, and I really looked up to them as a young kid. They were kind of like these these gods in my eyes where I was just clearing tables, but they were the one that were having a good time, yeah. cooking all the food. They had all the food. I wanted to be like them. Yeah. I wanted Parties, to have their all life. The servers, everyone wanted to hang out with them and blah, blah, Everything blah. Everything you yeah. can think of, they were doing it. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely, man. And uh, as a young kid, you know, I was influenced by them tremendously. And uh, so I ended up going to culinary school. And I uh, went to culinary school, and I was working in a – French restaurant while I was in culinary school. So my chef was French and uh, my mom was from France. So wow. she's from the south of France. So um, we, we were, I was able to talk French to him. And I was going to culinary school and he said, hey, you want to go to France? And I said, uh, yeah, why not? I, I'd like yeah, to. Yeah, why would you turn it down, right? <clears throat> for me, what I was taught in school is that everybody goes to Europe. You either go to Switzerland, you go to France, uh, or you go to Italy. Uh, those were the places that you go. So when he told me he had an opportunity for me to go to France, I said, I jumped all over it. Uh, sent me up with a job there. I found a place to stay. So I, I moved over there, and I was working in a small restaurant where um, down the street, Alain Ducasse had his first restaurant. So I was in the wow. same town. There was a lot of food history there. Um, <clears throat> so I lived over there. Then after that, I, my, my contract was up because you sign contracts over there. Okay. And my contract was up, so I uh, was talking to my uncle, who my Uncle JP is like a father figure for me. You know, he's the one that's always been motivating me and giving me all kinds of great advice, both my uncles, to be honest with you. And uh, That's really cool, man. Yeah, it's, it's, been, it's been, uh, been great to have them in my life. And um, 
So my uncle was living in New York City, and he said, hey, you got that French-European experience. Come to New York City, man. This is, this is, this is the city that's happening with food. He, he loved food. He loves food. So, um, you know, he was like, this is the place to go. You got to go check out. He, I, so I was like, okay. So I went to New York City, and uh, he gave me a list of restaurants. He goes, here, try these restaurants. So I knocked on everyone's door, and um, I went to Union Pacific, which was Rocco Despirito, mm-hmm. and they turned me down twice. Really? He's like, oh, I think you need more experience. I think you need to go down the street and check out some other restaurants. I go, no, this is where I want to be. So the next day I showed up, and they're like, oh, I thought I told you no. And I said, I said you may have told me no, but I'm going to get a job here. And I worked with him for about a year. I think that's what it takes a lot of times. Like, people don't understand that nowadays is it takes that drive to not, like, s- accept no. Yeah. You need to just go after it. Like, that's the problem, I feel. Well, we'll get into that, too. But but that was kind of my, my you know, I was very confident in my ability to cook. Mm-hmm. And working in these restaurants in France with some tough chefs, I'm telling you, man, it was it was brutal. Um not physically abusive, but verbally and mentally draining and exhausting. Sure. Um, so I, I knew this was the place that I wanted to go. I knew this is the place where I was going to get the most, in a sense, bang for my buck, but I wasn't getting paid a lot. I no, knew that not. I was going to get a lot of experience and exposure because when I was going through growing up to be a, a chef, we didn't have Google like you do today. Oh. We didn't have... <laughs> We didn't have Instagram. We didn't yeah. have the Facebook. Po- I, mean, I don't want to sound old, and I, I think I just aged myself there. But uh, within a couple if, of years of each other, you, yeah. I get but it. <laughs> if, if when you, you used to do like uh, reports and stuff, and you had to use the encyclopedias, and you couldn't reference the internet because it was still just Google still didn't have answers for everything. It didn't. Yeah. So if you wanted to be a, a successful chef, you had to either go work at that restaurant, yep. buy the book. Or go eat at the restaurant. You had three ways of learning. Yeah, we've talked about this before. Or to go stage somewhere. And this is something that we definitely got to write on the list to talk about because this is huge, I think. Because the way chefs are learning today is a lot different than how I had to learn. Yeah. And and I'm cool with that because I'm learning every day on Instagram. I'm learning every day on Google. I'm learning every day on all these other platforms. Yeah, YouTube, which, you name it. Which I'm so appreciative of. But... How I got trained was you had to go there. Yeah, you had to do that. You know, if you wanted, if you heard about, um, let's see. I, I so then uh, let me get back to the story because I know we got a lot to talk about. So yeah, we got plenty of time. Um, so I was in New York City. I was working for Rocco for a year, and then I moved to Long Island and I worked in a restaurant in Long Island, which uh, I made a lot of great, great friends and chefs out there. Um, then I got an opportunity to go stage in Washington D.C for a friend of my uncle's his name is claude and claude said hey come down i've got roger verger who's a uh you know rest rest in peace uh was a one of the if you talk about paul bocuse you're talking about verger right 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 was one of the godfathers yeah. of french cuisine he goes i've got him coming here to do a special dinner i want you to come down and and, and introduce you and meet him it's like all right what you know whatever all right i'll do it so I went down there and I ended up just being myself, working hard, putting my head down, knocking shit out, putting stuff on the menu, coming up with specials. I was there for like two days. 
And the chef was, and then Berger came out to me. He's like, where are you working now? I was like, well, I'm in Long Island. He goes, why don't you come work for me in France? And because my mom's French, I have a French passport. Oh, okay. So I can easily go back over there at any time. He's like, you have a French passport. Perfect. You don't have to go through all the visas and everything like this. And um, so I said, okay, I'll take the opportunity. And I went over there to, it was a two Michelin star restaurant at the time, but it's been three Michelin stars since like the early 70s. Wow. So you talk about classic cuisine. And one of the things that really intrigued me the most about that was I'm going to learn classic, classic cuisine, French cuisine. And that's where I'm going to base all, everything that I'm going to do in the future, I wanted to base it on that experience there. That's pretty cool. Cream sauces, butter sauces. I mean, you're talking about classic, traditional French cuisine. If you go to Paul Bocuse's restaurant, the one thing that makes that such a special restaurant is that it's been stuck in time, but in such a beautiful place in time. And they're not going to change things. They're, they're going to do the soup with the truffles and the, and the puff pastry over it. You know, That's not changing. That menu item will never change. But it's been a classic for the longest time, and it's going to remain a classic forever. So that's what I wanted to do. And um, so I went over there, and I worked. And I was there for um, – was, my contract was for a year. And what they did is they passed this new law in France, and they said, okay, we're going to close a month early. So instead of um, me saying, okay, well, I already got my plane ticket. I got a month to spend. What am I going to do? So chef was like, I don't know. What are you going to do? And I said, well. (laughs) How about some advice here, (laughs) asshole? What the hell? I'm asking you what I should do. Help me out, man. (laughs) So uh, I threw it back on me, and I just shot for the stars. And I said, well, I want to go work at a three Michelin star restaurant in Paris. And he goes, okay, which one? I go, what? Wait wait a second. (laughs) He's calling you on your shit. Yeah, so I said, "Uh, I don't know, Pierre Gagnier. And he goes, okay. Gets on the phone, calls Pierre Gagnier, sets up a stage for me. Get the fuck out of here. I go to Pierre Gagnier. I end up going to Pierre Gagnier's, moving to Paris, working there for, it was probably about a month time, but I wasn't getting paid. This was all free. Oh, really? Yeah. So, again, this was, if you want to learn, you got to go to the spot and learn. Yeah. And uh, I did that. Ended up moving back to Florida. After, after that, I moved back to Florida. Then I went back to France. And this, this time I went to the south of France, which is like the California of France, because okay. uh, I grew up on the beach, so I like to surf and everything like that. So I was like, man, you know what? I'm cooking. I'm busting my ass. I want to enjoy some me yeah, time a shit, little bit. So yeah. so I went to what's called Biarritz, which is like on the border of Spain, San Sebastian's there and everything like that. So went there, worked there for uh, a good year as well. Then I, um, then I moved back to Florida again. I started working at the Ritz-Carlton. And I went to the Ritz-Carlton for eight years. Then I went to another private club in uh, South Florida called the Everglades Club, extremely private. And um, then I got the opportunity to kill. Shit, man, that's a hell so, of a journey. We're gonna. Touch I mean, me. we, we're we, gonna go back on me because I feel like I just was like, all right, I'm gonna set you up here, and I'm gonna go back to me, and I'm like, well, now don't sound that interesting. I go to France. What the fuck? No, but you know, I. <laughs> I mean, but I, I think that's what makes us a a, a really unique pair. Yeah, because yeah. I'm very classic French, classically trained. You know, I've... Um, I think it's cool. I didn't understand that, like, you wanted to take those things and drive your career with that. You know what I mean? Sometimes people make that 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 commitment to do all those things that you did and realize that, you know what, I don't want classically trained 
anything in my life to move forward. I just want to be kind of my own person. It's like, but I see it in your food still. Like yeah. I've been to the club, I've seen you cook, I've seen all these things. And it's like, you can just tell that that's like still who you are and who you want to be. Yeah. Which is really cool because like, I don't know anyone else at your level in this industry. You're probably the only person I can say, oh, hey, I know Chris Roth, you know, like he does this, he did this, you know, and it's like, it's really cool to be able to like tell people that because it's like, I know like what you've been through and what you go through every day and where you strive. And it's, it's kind of cool, man. Thanks, um, man. You know, I'm like the complete opposite though. I, you know me, I, I started off at Burger King, man, when I was 15 years old. What do you want from me? I made Whoppers like you couldn't even fucking believe. Yeah. I was around at Burger King when the Whoppers were a dollar, bro. Like you ain't shit if you didn't work at Burger King when Whoppers were a dollar. <laughs> We'd have football teams like literally pull up and be like, yo, I need 60 of these. And it's like, fuck you, really? We're in the weeds. I'm like 15 <laughs> years old, man. Like 15, like five months or some shit. And yeah. I'm like. A whopper, like this is easy. Oh yeah, wait till the buses start showing up. Like, what do you mean buses? And it's like, oh what do you mean? shit! Like you just see all these kids getting off, and you're like, cheerleaders football. What the fuck, yeah. dude? Like it's a whopper, and you're like, what's a buck? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I mean, what I make like four eighty five an hour was minimum wage back then, or some stupid shit. Like whatever yep. was legal to like basically have slave labor. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> it's like I worked like forty hours a week. I was in high school, and uh, I did that for probably a couple months. You know, and. I was like, well, shit, I got to do something else. So I had a buddy who was like a kitchen manager at a steakhouse. I was like, this is going to be great. He's you like, were hey. done with the Whopper? No, I still kept it. Okay. I was like, I'm going to do both. You know, I was, I was, yeah. dude, listen, since I was young, I've been an entrepreneur. Um, I've always had a side hustle. Yeah. Whether it was mowing lawns, selling fake watches, whatever the hell it was, selling my grandparents' fruit from their trees in their backyard at like Polish festivals <laughs> out here. Dude, I was your guy. You want eight plums? Two dollars. Like, what's up? Yeah. And my grandfather would pick half of them himself, and then I would just turn around and sell them. Like, I was that kid. But, you know, I always tried to find a way to make money, and I was always wanting to be independent. And I think that was like the biggest drive for me. Like, um, so going back, I was 15, worked at Burger King. Um, Enjoyed it, man. I mean, it was a good job. You know, if, if you had a job in high school in a car, like, you were doing good for yourself. Yeah. You know what oh, I mean? Oh, absolutely. Like, even if it was, like, $200 a week, it was still $200 a week that some of your friends didn't have. You were able to take them out to lunch and dinner and go party and do whatever else you want to do, and you could be the provider for it. And it cost really 10 cool. bucks to fill up your gas tank. So Dude, back then, 96 cents a gallon, yeah. man. <laughs> oh, man. So my first car was a 1984 Ford Ranger, thanks to my father. It was beautiful. It was baby blue. It barely ran, and I treated it like shit, and it broke down on me one day. But, you know, such is life. I always wanted a Ford Ranger. Yeah, that was, was great, school, man. man. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it was great. I could fit three in the front and, like, six in the back. It was kind of cool. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so I did that for a little bit. Um, and I literally, you know, I worked at the steakhouse for a little bit. I got fired. We'll go into that. Um, so I loved it. You know, it was cool. It was fun. My buddy was, uh, was like, the kitchen manager. He was, like, I don't know, 17 or some shit like that. Like, he's also the reason why I smoked cigarettes for, like, 20 years. So I'm not going to give him a shout-out because he doesn't deserve it. He got you into that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, it was a place called Little Abner's in Tucson, man. It was like kind of one of these Western steakhouses, like a cowboy steakhouse where they had the big open pit, uh, live mesquite wood cooking, you know, like you're talking like 20 foot grill. Yeah. And then the back, you had all the kids making garlic toast and barbecue sauce and salads of the wooden bowls that you'd stack in like the Lexans and like, you know, the, 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 the iceberg, the onion ring, the cucumber, the tomato thing. Yeah. We did that. <laughs> uh, so I took the job being like a dishwasher slash, uh, what do you call it? Was that oh. a house salad? Yeah, yeah, that was, okay, yeah. it came with every meal, man. It was yeah. like the little wooden bowls, you know, it was great. Um, I took the job being the garlic toast guy, man. So I sit nice. there in front of a conveyor toaster with like margarine and like powdered uh, granulated garlic, and I just sit there and just, <laughs> I'm talking hundreds of pieces a night, man. Just sprinkling Like my life right sucked, in. but like for some reason I smiled, I loved it. I think because like mid-break, like we'd throw out the old baked potatoes in the garbage can and just like throw them as hard as we could and like just make messes. Yeah, it was yeah. great. 
Uh, you know, and just going back then though, you looked at like the cooks, like we were talking, it's like, you see the cooks, they're, ha- they're, they're the ones making the money. They're the ones having all the fun. They're the ones that have all the respect. They're the ones calling all the shots. You're like, dude, this is kind of bullshit. Like I'm just making like garlic toast, man. I'm being told to do this. Go get the steaks, go get the chickens. I'm like, why don't you go get the chickens and the steaks? You know, I had no yeah. clue about like the fundamentals of anything. I didn't know, yeah. you know, <laughs> it yeah. was kind of those things, but you learned real quick. You oh, know what yeah. I mean? A couple of times you, you learn real quick. Uh, <laughs> So I did that for a little bit, man. And then, like, all the cooks and, like, the servers and everyone wanted to, like, go out and party one night and have steaks at the house. Well, everyone was like, dude, let's grab some steaks and grab some chicken. We'll grill out the house, blah, blah, blah. I was like, all right. So we'll help you. What do you need? <laughs> <laughs> so let's just say me and about three other people decided to take some chickens and some steaks and uh, take them home. And then, uh, yeah, I took the fall for that one. Yeah. They found out the next day because I think they were missing, like, four cases of steaks, dude. Four cases. We were, like, oh, in a two-bedroom apartment with, like, 30 people, like, <laughs> cooking filet in a freaking porterhouses on a stovetop. Like, what the hell were we thinking, dude? So, anyways, yeah, that ended that career real fast. Went back to Burger King. And I had a buddy who worked at a retirement place, actually. Um, it was an independent facility. And he's like, hey, dude, you want, you want to be a dishwasher? And I said, yeah, fuck yeah, I'll do it. Like, what's up? He's like, yeah, it's, like, 5.15 an hour. I was like... Done. 40 hours? I got it. Yeah. So I walk in there like, well, hey, do you want to cook? We'll give you an extra dollar. I was like, what do you mean dollar? Like six bucks? I was like, dude, I'm all, I never cook professionally, but I'm, I'll give it a shot. It can't be that hard. 450 to six bucks just like dude, that. Within like six months, man, you're yeah. doing good. You know what I mean? I was like, yeah, I'll do it. And I was like, well, what does it include? They're like, well, you just got to like scoop and go and do this and do that. And I was like, well, that's kind of whack, but I easily can do that. I got to know the steamer, you know, the steam table. You're like, yeah. oh, this is cool. Scoop and shoot. Yeah, dude. It's like, you didn't know. You know, I was like 16. I was like, fuck it, whatever. 17, whatever it was. I don't remember anymore. And uh, so I did it. And, uh, you know, there was an old retired French chef there, though. And so, like, he would do a lot of things, like, that were, like, abnormal for those type of establishments. And so, like, he would always pull me because I showed interest. He'd be like, Joe, come here. I want to show you some things. Okay. And he'd, like, break down the ruse. He'd break down the cream sauce. He'd break down all these things. He would just make it for me to learn. Yeah. And so, like, I kind of learned a little bit about it. And I was like, you know what? This cooking thing's pretty cool, man. You know, I really enjoyed it. Uh, his name was Arnold Julian, I believe. And he opened one of the best, like, private dining type of uh, establishments at one of the resorts. Mm-hmm. I think it was called, like, the Gold Room or something at the time. Um, but, you know, I found a real interest in cooking. And uh, I just kind of took it. And I was like, you know, I really want to take this until I get a job at a resort and do this and do that. And I made it my goal. And I was like, you know, I, I just kept on fighting. And even though it was like a, a retirement place, it was like still it provided me a good security, good paycheck, good everything. And I was learning, but I was like, I want it more. And so I did the same thing. I kind of just, I didn't go the route of school. I looked into school. I was going to go to uh, Scottsdale Culinary, which was La Cordon Bleu, I okay. believe. Yeah. But then I got promoted uh, as the kitchen manager at like 18. So I was like, well, I can't really have the availability. I was making a decent paycheck. I think it was like 11 bucks an hour. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I was working like 40 hours a week. It was great. And then I went to check out the school, did the tour, did everything. And I was like, all right, yeah, this sounds great. And they're like, yeah, 31000 for tuition. And I was like, 31000 for for what? Yeah. I was like, there's a bunch of hot chicks around, and this is cool. But like thirty one grand, I was like, I'm not going to do it. But then I went back to work that day, and I was doing an interview with the kid. I was 19 and my 18. And he was a graduate from La Cordon Bleu. Oh, shit, cool, man. Like, I had to meet somebody who came from that school, and I, oh, man, got him in there for the first day, and he drowned, and I was like, all right, I'm not going to school. Yeah. I was like, fuck this. I'm just going <laughs> to I'm just gonna dedicate myself to be a better cook than everyone else around me. And I was like, and, and, you know, that's one thing that kind of, like, stood out was that, like, Arnold, like, was just a book of knowledge, and he was literally just a guy. And I was like, if I could take this as serious with every person I worked with, I'll gain something from everybody. Yeah the dishwashers, the prep cooks, you know how it is. You learn something from everybody. And uh, so that's what my goal was. I learned at that point, I was like, you know, I'm gonna make this my 
career and I'm going to do it without going to school. I'm just going to work my ass off and work a lot of hours and try to dig as much information out of people for free as I can. And just like you, we didn't have the ability to go on YouTube and the internet. If we didn't know how to make a uh, beef burger, you we're like, we're screwed, dude. Yeah. If you didn't know, you didn't know. You know what I mean? So it was like one of those things that we still had a good cycle of people that would come in that were like burned out of regular restaurants or resorts that were just wanting to break. And then you'd learn from them. They'd take off. Yeah. We go to the resorts and you have everyone there who wants to like show off and be somebody and act like they're somebody. So like everyone's always willing to teach to show off. Absolutely. And like if you don't take it as more than what it is, then you learn. So it was kind of cool. Um, and, you know, one thing led to another. Um, I was fairly young when I became an executive chef. I was like 23, um, mostly because my boss was lazy, liked to drink a lot, liked to pin a lot of his work on other people. So it was like easy, man. You know, you yeah. slide into that spot, you get it, you don't mess it up. Next thing you know, you have an opportunity. Absolutely. You know how it works. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, this has been my entire life, 20-something years of like that, just one kitchen to the next kitchen to the next kitchen, uh, picking brains of other people. I never traveled abroad, never did anything like that. I just uh, kept my head down, worked hard, looked for more opportunity. I mean, Arnold told me one thing. He's like, look, man, this industry is tough, but it does provide a lot of opportunity, and it provides a lot of doors to be opened. He's like, you just have to be smart enough that when the door is there to walk through it. Yeah, don't shut it in front of your face. Exactly. You know? He's like, dude, no. if it pops up, you got to be willing to drop what you're doing, put in your notice, and go do it if you believe in it. Absolutely. And that's what it was about. It was like, and be ready. Know, be ready. And not try to like, because you know what the funny thing is in this industry, just like we know, is that you could pretend like you know all that you want to say you know, but the minute you get in there, you're exposed like a naked chick, man. Like, yeah. you can't lie about nothing. If you don't have it and you don't know it, you're going you're gonna to find out real quick. Absolutely. They're know. So, uh, but yeah, so I took every opportunity that really came to me, I guess I could say. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I don't regret anything. I, I appreciate the way that I went through this industry in comparison to like what you did. You know what I mean? Like I respect you for what you did. Like if I could have made better decisions when I was younger, like I would have loved to have gone to like Italy or to Spain and just lived abroad and just like worked and stayed there for over a year, you know, just picked it up, like lived it and submersed myself in it. Not just said I visited for like two weeks. Yeah. Um, that's what, that wasn't the path for me. And, you know, we're sitting here today, uh, quite similar. You're an executive chef. Me too. You know what I mean? You make a good salary. Me sometimes. Um, but mostly is, like, the opportunity. Like, the difference between us now that we sit here, though, like we were just talking, is that, like, I can literally wake up every morning. Like, what am I in? I'm in, like, dicky shorts and a polo shirt. I played golf this morning. I went to work and cooked and prepped and did what I wanted to do. And I'm changing a menu that I created. And there's no one to say that I can't do this or I can't do that. And it's, like... That feeling alone is like uh, winning the lottery. Mm -hmm. You know, you feel like you made it. You got lucky, but yet, you know, yeah. like you feel like you put your dues in, and now's your time. Absolutely. You know what I mean? It's like the first time I came and visited you at uh, Oak Hill. Yeah. And you showed me around. I was like, just like fucking starstruck. I was like, whoa, dude. Like, this place is freaking phenomenal. It's cool. I remember that day. I can't believe this. You know, you took me out on the back patio. What was it? Facing on, like, hole number one? Uh, actually, or the where the... The tent is the now, tent, yes, which is facing number eighteen. Number eighteen. Okay, yep. so we went there and we were talking. It was like early in the morning, wasn't it? I was just like, we yeah, just we were supposed around. to meet about an event that we were doing together. And I was like looking around, I was like, holy shit, man! I looked at you, and what did I say to you? I said something like, uh, "Dude, how does it feel to like know that you made it?" Yeah. And it's like, you know, like that's how I looked at you for what you've accomplished. That's the respect that I had for chefs that have gone through and handled like, uh, like the the type of establishment that you have. Mm -hmm. It's like that takes the experience that you have, the years in other countries, the culinary, you know, the culinary schools, the dedication of your entire life to being 
like classically trained and going that route. Those positions aren't given to guys like me. Like that position is never open to a person like me. We can sit here and honestly say that. If I brought my resume there, they'd laugh at me. They'd be like, dude, I'm not hiring you there. I, you know, I, I, Chris, come on. I, no, no, honestly, because I know you, hmm. it's a different story, but you, everything. I have Jimmy John's on my resume in every, the last five years, brother. <laughs> well, everything that. Get on my level. <laughs> Oak Hill's not going to let me in those doors. <laughs> and rightfully so, dude. Like, you know what I mean? Like, my partners took a huge risk on me too, man. It's just, I got lucky, I guess, to the, in the beginning, you know, but I had, I have heart, you know, and that's, that take, that makes up for a lot of it. And you know that just as well as I do, that heart is like one of those things that if you don't have it, Dude, you're going to suck. Like, you got to be able to have thick skin. Like you said, you, you didn't accept no. You went back the next day, and, like, you like you were like, dude, like, I don't care what you say. Like, I'm about this right now. Yep. And, I'm here. Uh, I'm here, and yeah. I'm going to be here. And that's what you need. You need that more than anything. But that doesn't always translate to paper. You know what I mean? And so that's tough. I right. could have gone there and be like, oh, I could do this. I could do this. Trust me. I know the numbers. I know this. And they'd be like, all right, dude, come on. Go sit down the back. Yeah. And the one thing I, I feel like a lot of culinarians need to, to look at, and one of the questions I ask, Anybody who comes to work for me, I say, one of the first things we talk about, okay, what's your next move after this? Yeah. Like, why are you coming here? You're coming here for what reason? You want to you wanna do something. After, your, your life's not going to end at this club. Yeah. What is it you want to do next? And they got to come to me with a somewhat, a little bit of an idea. If they come to me and go, I, I don't know. I don't know what that I'm That moment doing. right there, I'm done. No, but, yeah. but, but I, I will say, okay, that's okay. Because I, I look back when I was... 19, 20, 21, 22 years old. I didn't know what the hell I wanted to do. My uncle would always tell me, what are your goals? You got to write them down. And I'm yep. like, man, I don't know what the hell I want to do. I'm just I'm just going with the flow. I'm going with the current right now. And and the current is taking me here. So I'm going here. Yeah. You know? And and um but but every every step that I've taken is because I've always thought it was the right step. Sure. It was the thing that I needed to do. And, you know, as long as somebody's taking a, this career is, is, a, is a huge risk in life because a lot of people go down the wrong path. Well, not only that, man, but you're, you're investing your life, your time, and you're sacrificing, like, birthdays. Holidays. Uh, holidays, weddings, and all this for a restaurant that could be closed in a month. Exactly. Closed in a year. So, you know, what's really crazy is I'm sitting across from me right now. We've been friends for a while now. We, we eat brunch together. Our families hang out. We do all these things. You know, we, we have future endeavors together. Um, I learned a lot today, man. And it's weird because we've sat and had some pretty good conversations about yeah. restaurants and chefs and all this other shit. And it's like, why am I learning this now when I'm sitting in like a five-by-five five room with you? Like, it's really cool. Uh, so I just want to say thank you. I, I can't wait to look forward to what we're going to be doing here together. Um, so, guys, this is uh, Chris Roth. Um, this is Joe Zonorowski. I'm going to be uh, letting you know that uh, I'm the chef and partner of Nash. It's on uh, Russell Street and also Old Pueblo Grill. It's on Russell Street. Um, both of them uh, restaurants are within a couple hundred yards of each other. Uh, one's casual, fast, casual, <laughs> counter-order Mexican, and one's like a, I don't know, what do you call it, New American? Yeah, New American. Yeah, whatever. If you want to come out there and talk to me about my story a little bit more, if I have some time, I'd love to meet you and talk to you and... What about you, Chris? Uh, well, I'm Chris Roth. I'm the executive chef at Oak Hill Country Club in uh, Pittsford, New York. And, um, you know, I just, I really enjoyed hearing about you too, Joe. Uh, it's definitely always Do we just become best friends? To, we've always been best friends, man. Do we just become best friends, yeah. bro? 
You call me Dragon. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, man. It's but, been a blast. Uh, I can't wait to see the shit we come up with in the next couple of weeks, man. It's going to be fun. Yeah. And uh, I just want to say thanks to everyone who's listening. You know, you can catch uh, you can catch Joe at his restaurants or at the club. If you ever get to the club, uh, please say hello. And we're always doing events around town. So you can kind of check us out and say hello at that time, too. So Perfect. Yep. All right. Well, thanks again, man. Appreciate it. No, thank you, man. All right, buddy. All right, bye.